Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. Matthew Hardin was one of our holiness heroes of the past. In 1976, he was one of the evangelists at the God's Bible School and College annual camp meeting held in Cincinnati, Ohio. In this sermon, he preaches the message titled, The Demands of the Sanctified Life. I know you'll enjoy this classic message. Keep passing it on and on. I'm appreciating this tremendous singing in this camp meeting by the Thomases and these young people at the school. I appreciate that. That song this morning and these precious girls today, that mixed group yesterday just thrills my soul. Amen. Just to hear these young people and not only to hear them, to see what they look like. Brother Miller, I like to see them. I like to look them over. (laughs) Amen. If you don't get blessed in your soul with this kind of singing, don't tap your feet for Jimmy Swagger. Thank you, sir. As a matter of fact, if you're spending money for his records, I'd just as soon pray with you now as later. Are you here, Mr. Downing? Yes, sir. I'm agreeing with you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Amen. I don't know. I, I have difficulty understanding people that claim to be saved and sanctified and sympathy with old-fashioned holiness that are wasting their money for that kind of music. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Well, I'm glad I got rid of that. That helped, doesn't it? <laughs> Amen. Now, these singers are available. Not, not Brother and Sister Thomas are not available at your church. You have to go a long while before you can get them. But Brother Vernon and Brother Miller and these precious young people are available to visit your church. Get them in there. Amen. Praise the Lord. They'll do you good. I appreciate God's Bible school and what it's doing and what it's going to do. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm about ready to take up where Brother Glenn left off this morning. And I told him so. He didn't quite get all of my thunder. I have a little left. I'll try to make it roll so you can hear. (laughs) I'm glad that hearing aid got turned down or wherever it was. Praise the Lord. I hear singing like this and it just does something to me away down inside, just just lifts me up. I, I don't know. I'm having difficulty with our generation. I, 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 
I'm a peculiar, well, I don't have to tell you how peculiar I am. You already know that. But I'm having difficulty. I, I've seen days when we'd have singing like we've had in this camp meeting with the Thomases and these young people that you just couldn't keep people in their seats. Tell me, please, what ails us? I remember some years ago, I, I, I'm so delighted to see Brother Lawrence Neff here, knowing him for, well, uh, uh, a while, 30 years or better. And uh, we were having an indoor meeting or a, a district holiness uh, uh, meeting in uh, the Free Methodist Church in Ypsilanti. Dr. Tony Anderson was one of the speakers and uh, Brother, uh, I forget who the other one was, I'm sure Brother Neff would remember. And... Uh, a lady went to Brother uh, Tony Anderson one night after the meeting. She said, uh, you know what's the matter with these meetings? And you don't want to go to him with a talk like that because he'll, he'll tell you. Well, he said, I think I know if there's anything wrong with him, my baby will take it. But he said, what's on your mind, lady? She said, people don't get a chance to testify and get blessed anymore. Oh, he said, is that right? Yeah. All right. Thank you, lady. So the next night, he said to me, I was chairman of the meeting, he said, Brother Harden, he said, ask anybody if they got a testimony tonight. I said, all right. So we get up, I said, anybody like to praise the Lord tonight? Anybody got a testimony? Just like you are here. Nobody said a word. Everybody just sat right there. So it was time for the message. Hold still now, please. <laughs> it was... Time for the message. I said, all right, Brother Anderson will bring us the message. He got up there just as straight as a ramrod. He stood up. You lady down there. He said, you complained to me last night that nobody got a chance to testify. What's the matter? Are you tongue-tied tonight? You'll find my scripture in such and such in a place. And he took off from there. I dare say if there was a hole for that lady to crawl in, she'd have crawled in it. But I'm disturbed, really, ladies and gentlemen. I'm disturbed in our generation. There's something radically wrong with us somewhere. Amen. You say, well, I'm blessed away down inside. Well, why don't you let it get out? Don't keep it down inside. Let it get out. I'm reading for us this afternoon. You'll pray and the Lord will help us. Uh, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Beginning at verse 14, I'd like to read through verse 28, if it won't tire you too much. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning at verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. 
Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. The very God of peace sanctify you holy. W-H-O-L-L-Y. Sanctify you so good that there will be no part of you that is unsanctified. Amen. I don't think God would demand an experience that he wouldn't provide the grace for you to get it. But I have, I have detected a difficulty in our generation. And uh, the difficulty doesn't seem to be so much that I detect of people getting it as of people keeping it. I don't know if some of these evangelistic brethren would agree with me or not. But it seems like in, in, in camp meetings and revivals, uh, we're just... We're just getting so many repeaters these days. They got saved. They got sanctified at last camp meeting. And you come to the next camp meeting. Here they are to get sanctified again. I was praying with a young man at the Hope Sound camp. A young man that wife and I is personally acquainted with. And kind of taking him under our wing. And he went to the altar one night there at Hope Sound and thinks, oh, well, what, what, wonder what's the matter with him uh, the, since the last time he got blessed. And so I got down by the young man and began to pray with him. And uh, he was weeping and crying. And I called him by name. I said, uh, son, what seems to be the difficulty? He said, uh, Brother Harden, I, I, don't, I don't know. I said, well, I thought you got sanctified the other night. And I said, I, I felt that God did sanctify. I said, I felt some witness in my heart that when you felt the witness in your heart, I felt some witness in my heart that God had done the work in your life and you told me that he did. He said, he did. And I said, what are you here for tonight? To be sanctified again? I said, what have you done? I said, have you gone out and shot somebody? Have you cursed and swore? Have you lied and stole since the other night? No. Well, I said, what have you done that caused you to lose it since the other night? He hesitated a little while and he quit his praying and he kind of scratched his head. He said, he said I don't know. I said, look right down in your heart, son. I said, undo your coat and look right down in your heart and tell me what you see down there. Is there any sin in your life? Anything in your heart that God condemns, that God censors? No, sir. There is nothing. I said, well, why? Why are you here at the altar again tonight? Well, he said, I don't know. He said, I just felt so good the other night. And he said, I, I just don't feel tonight like I felt the other night. Well, I said, you're not going to be sanctified. You just want the God to give you some kind of a feeling. Is that it? Yeah. I said, I wish I had a good long hat and I'd give you some feeling. 
If that's all you want, I can give you that. I don't need God to help me to give you that. No. <laughs> Millard, would you like a little feeling? Not at the moment. Not at the moment. No. <laughs> I'm not trying to be smart, friend. I'm not trying to entertain you. But I'm tremendously concerned in this generation about people that are getting saved and sanctified and they're spoiled. They spoil before the next revival. They don't seem to be able to get enough to keep them between meetings. And spoilage has set in. Oh, I think if there's anything, my friend, that we need to preserve, and the apostles talking about preserving us here, if there's anything we need to preserve us, an old-fashioned experience in salvation and an entire sanctification and the abiding presence of the blessed Holy Ghost, friends, if you've got anything to spend time on, spend all the time and all the effort you can on preserving this thing and keeping it. Don't let it spoil. Don't let it get away from you. Amen. But I'm tremendously concerned in our generation about the spoilage and the wholeness movement. It's happening on many levels. It's happening in conferences. It's happening in superintendents. It's happening in individuals. They're spoiling. Well, God is able, according to the scripture I've read you tonight, <laughs> The very God of peace sanctify you holy. What happens when the God of peace sanctifies you holy? I wondered for a long time why the apostle Paul used this particular element of the divine here. Why it's not the God of power. Why it's not the God of wisdom. Why, it's not the God of many attributes that we, could, uh, that we could mention to you today that belong to the Almighty. But the one the Apostle Paul uses here, it's the God of peace that sanctifies you holy. And I wondered about that for a long while. And uh, I came to the conclusion that the reason the Apostle uses the God of peace is because the carnal mind is not subject to the law of God and is a tremendous peace disturber. I've seen him disturb the peace on a general level, way up there. I've seen him disturb the peace on a district level. I've seen him disturb the peace on a local level. I've seen him disturb the peace on a home level. I've seen him disturb the peace on an individual level. The carnal mind is not subject to the law of God and is a tremendous disturber of the peace. So the God of peace reaches down and arrests that old thing. And every disturber of the peace should be arrested. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. And so I, I think maybe the thinking of the apostle is here that, 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 that the Almighty sends the arresting officer down. That old carnal nature that wants to disturb the peace has to be removed. Praise God. You remember when it happened to you? Oh, I remember it so well. If I could take the time to tell you about it, 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 it uh, 
Well, I just, I just don't think I will. I think I want to move on here. Because I'm interested in giving you some ideas that will prevent spoilage. Amen. I don't want this thing to spoil. I don't want it to spoil on me. I don't want it to spoil on you. If God has saved and sanctified you in this meeting, I would give you some suggestions today to keep it from spoiling this tremendous experience that Brother Glenn spoke so marvelously about this morning. I, 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 don't want, I don't want you to lose it. I don't want it to spoil on you. I would have to have you think with me in the first place that the sanctified life makes some demands on us. Number one, the sanctified life demands a rigid separation. I use that word rigid there because of an experience I had one time. And uh, I was going to do some plumbing around the house, do my own, you know, knew nothing about it. And so I decided I would do some of my own repair work around the house where wife and I lived in Dundee, Michigan. And I didn't have any pipe wrenches. So at the place where I worked, I happened to mention to one of the plumbers, I said, I'm going to do so-and-so at my house, uh, uh, Mr. Guthrie. And I said, uh, I need a couple of pipe wrenches. You're a plumber. I said, what, what should I get? Well, he said, get a 14 and an 18. Well, whatever that was. That meant one was 14 inches long, the other was 18 inches long. I said, how much? <laughs> well, he said, I've got two, I'll sell you. All right. $3 for two of them. That was depression days, depression prices. I bought those two wrenches. I took them home. I put one of those wrenches on the pipe and I pulled on that. Ooh, that thing slipped and just skinned every knuckle on my hand. I thought, well, what in the world? Something wrong. So I just don't know how to use this wrench. So I tried the other one. I put that on. I put, tightened up. That one slipped too. Bang, went those knuckles again. My brother-in-law came out to visit me. He was a steam fitter. I said, Jeff, how do you use pipe wrenches? My, you look interested. <laughs> how do you use pipe wrenches? Well, he said, you just put them on the pipe and tighten them up and pull on them. Oh, I said, there's got to be something else. Now. Something's wrong. What's the problem? I told him. He said, let me see them. I showed them to him. He said, throw them away. He said, they're scrap. You wasted your money. I said, Jeff, I've got to get some pipe wrenches. Is there a good hardware store in Dundee? I said, there is. Go down to the hardware store and tell the man you want a 14 and an 18 rigid pipe wrenches. The word rigid is written right on the pipe. Don't settle for anything else. If it doesn't have that name on it, don't take it. Well, I don't know how many plumbers there are here, but I went to the hardware store on Monday. I said, do you have any pipe wrenches that go by the name of rigid? He said, yes, sir, that's all we carry. I said, I'll take two. I took those two wrenches home, and I fitted one of those wrenches on that pipe, and it just would not give. Hmm. That thing was locked in there so hard it just would not give. I put the big one on, it still would not give. I put a piece of pipe on the end, and I pulled on that thing and pulled on that, and finally that pipe came loose. That pipe wrench didn't slip one iota. It was because of the name 
and the particular brand of that pipe wrench, the rigid pipe wrench. I'm not advertising. I don't know who makes them. I don't use them anymore. <laughs> but, uh, but that taught me a lesson. We're finding a lot of slippage today. We're finding a lot of spoilage today in this area of the sanctified life. A little slippage here, a little slippage there, a little someplace slippage somewhere else. But friends, every time you slip, you've lost something. You've done damage. It may not be to your knuckles. It may be to somewhere else. I, 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 I submit to you for your, for your thinking today that the demands of the sanctified life call for a rigid separation. Praise God. Stand right up on your two feet with a backbone like an I-beam. Amen. You can contend without being contentious. Stand up for the things that are right. Stand up for old-fashioned God-given convictions. Hallelujah. That will bless your soul and keep your experience from spoiling. I'm made to wonder these days as I go up and down the country and I, I, I see the absence of the, of the demonstration of the Spirit. I, I, I see the absence of the thing that used to, used to cause people to come and visit our churches and get excited about our religion. They would see some things that, they, that kind of blessed them and helped them and, and it, it, it got them in. But friends, I don't know if they come to some of our meetings anymore. I realize there are a few places where it's probably happening, but the majority of places, the demonstration of the Spirit is just not wanted. A lady was going home from the opera one night. And uh, on her way home, she heard some gospel singing in a little store building. And uh, sounded so good, she thought she'd stop a little while. And she listened at the door, and finally it got so interesting, she went in, slipped in and sat down in the back seat. And listened to the gospel singing, and it wasn't very long until some lady got up and began to praise the Lord and walked the aisles, and, and it just sounded good. Then somebody else, and somebody else, and somebody else. And there was a tremendous moving of the Spirit in that meeting that night as that lady sat there and watched. When she got home, her husband said, Where in the world have you been? The opera didn't last this long. No, husband, she said, On my way home, I heard some gospel singing in a little mission hall down the street. It sounded so good, I, I wanted to stay and listen. She said, I stayed at the door and listened, and it, it got better. I decided I'd slip in and sit down in the back seat. And she said, husband, you should have saw the way some of those people were acting. Are you still here? <laughs> if you have to go to sleep, say your prayers first. <laughs> You should have saw the way some of those people were acting. She said, I never saw such acting in my life as they had in that little old gospel meeting that night. She said, it was, it was, just, it was just a sight to behold. She said, my, she said, I, I, I kind of liked it. Well, he said, it sounds kind of crazy to me. Well, the next night Nick came. She came downstairs, a little after 7 o'clock, all dressed up. Oh, where are you going tonight? I'm going back down to that little mission where they were singing and acting like they did last night. Well, he said, a big waste of time. Well, she said, I'll go down anyhow. She came back home. He said, uh, what's the matter with you? 
What do you mean, what's the matter with me? He said, something went wrong. He said, there's a change somewhere. He said, did you go to that little meeting? She said, I did. He said, what happened? She said, I became one of the actors. Still here? Amen. Oh, that God would visit us. I tell you, we're hearing him from this pulpit night after night that God would visit us. If God visits us, you know how we're going to find out if God is visiting us? If you'll do what he tells you. If you'll mind him and be what he wants you to be and do what he tells you to do. But I'm afraid this, I'm afraid this business of a rigid separation has contaminated some people. So the line of demarcation is no longer visible. The things we once laid off, we put back on. The things we once condemned, we've not condoned. Amen. Some of you are not as sleepy as you look. The demands of the sanctified life. Friends, if you will have this experience and keep this experience, you keep it. Because you demand and you practice in your life a rigid separation from everything that's unlike God. From everything that would cool off your fire and cool off your ardor and cool off your excitement. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah to Jesus. The demands of the sanctified life keep it from spoiling. It takes a rigid separation. Praise the Lord. I would like you to think with me, number two. No, I I believe I'll stay here a little while. I believe I'll stay here a little while. I'm, I'm observing a tremendous... A, a, a terrible, unholy mixture in some areas. And, and I, I, I think, I think it's, 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 uh, it's mainly attributed to a lack of separation. Friends, if people don't know where you stand on the vital issues of God's word, you don't stand where you ought to stand. Amen. Vital issues of God's word, friend. Are not there just to take up space in the Bible. They're not there to use up some extra ink and fill the pages. No, they're there for you and I to practice. Had a little time left. I said, if you don't mind, I think I'll go down to uh, Oral Roberts University. I'd like to give it a look. I just wanted to see. I'd heard so much about it. You know, I thought, well, I'll go down and, and, and see what it looks like. Uh, there was a lot of stairs to climb, and she was too weary. She said, I'll sit in the car. I said, all right. So up I went to Oral Roberts University. Oh, what a fabulous place. There's sparkling fountains all over, great mammoth pillars. I thought, oh, the money that's spent here. I went up the stairs into a big building there. It seemed like it was solid glass all across the front. I, I dare say almost, oh, about two-thirds as wide as this auditorium, just solid uh, glass. 
I didn't have any necktie on, old slouch hat, who was traveling. And so I walked into this place with my hands in my pocket like an old country hick. And I, I'm looking all over, just watching the thing and looking at the pictures there on the wall. And a, a very fine uh, colored young man came up to me. He said, sir, uh, can I help you? Oh, I said, I don't know, son. I said, I, I just uh, was here in town and thought I'd, I'd heard so much about the, this, uh, this uh, university. I thought I'd like to come and just uh, look it over, just if nothing else, to say I had been here. Well, he said, we're delighted to see you. Have you ever been to ORU before? I said, what's ORU supposed to mean? Oral Roberts University. Oh, no, I said, I have never been here before. Well, welcome. Sign the register, please. I signed my name on the book. He said, would you like a guided tour? <clears throat> oh, I said, how long will it take? Oh, he said, about 20 minutes. I said, good enough. I'll take it. As I stood there in the lobby and waited for uh, my guide to come, pretty soon here come a very attractive young lady up to me. She said, uh, you Mr. Harden? I said, yes, I am. She said, I'm your hostess. Oh? I said, all right, thank you. She said, uh, just follow me. I said, all right. She started to go up the stairs. I said, oh, just a minute, sis. I said, hold it. I said, would you mind if I went up the stairs ahead of you? No, sir, no, sir, no, sir. She said, do you know where to go when you get up there? No, I said, you can take the lead after we get up on the landing. Well, she said, sir, what seems to be the trouble? I said, ahead of me, look down all the time. I wouldn't dare lift my eyes. I can almost feel out of anything about that. I've got the floor for you. Just hold it for a little while. And uh, I can almost hear somebody say, well, if you were saved and sanctified, that wouldn't bother you. I am saved and sanctified for your information, but that bothers me. That's why I asked the girl if I got that side of her. That girl had the shortest miniskirt on I have ever seen. She asked me down in the lobby. She said, are you a Christian? I said, I am. Have you been saved? I said, I have. Have you been sanctified? I said, I have. Have you received the gift of the Holy Ghost? I said, I have. <laughs> Do you speak with tongues? I said, I speak with the one of God. <laughs> Friends, the dress code. The dress code. They say, it's not polite to mention institutions. You should have told me sooner. It's too late. The dress code of that institution that is, that is advertising and propagating the charismatic movement, the dress code was something scandalous. There was young people professing to be saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. Oh, it was shameful the way they were dressed. 
The sanctified life, friends, demands, and I use that word because I feel like it belongs right there, it demands a rigid separation. Amen. Praise God. There are some things we don't dare compromise. There are some things vital to your maintaining this experience, friend, and you better not trifle with them. Amen. The dress question. The tithe question. Hmm. It would be interesting to me this afternoon to, to find out just how many people might be here today uh, that you're just trying to cheat on God on your die. My son-in-law was telling me last, uh, last weekend about a new bumper sticker he saw. We see these bumper stickers that says, uh, if you love Jesus, blow your horn. You've seen these. He saw a new one. It said, if you love Jesus, pay your tithe. Anybody can blow the horn. Hell, I thought. If you can find one, get it to me, will you? I want two, one from a trailer and one from a van. <laughs> Amen. There's some things, friends, we don't dare compromise. You see, everybody's doing it, everybody's not doing it. I like the statement of Brother Willis the other night. Everybody's not doing it, friend. No, sir. I'd hate to die. I'd hate to die suddenly and my tithes not be paid. I was called to visit a man that was sick. He hadn't been in church for a couple of Sundays. I may not get past this, this, uh, this, uh, this. Let's see, what am I talking about here? A rigid separation. I may not get past that this afternoon. A man got sick. It was a member of my church and didn't come for two or three Sundays. So I decided I'd call and find out for two Sundays. I'd call and find out what was the matter. His wife answered. Oh, she said, Brother Harden, uh, Charlie's been sick. Oh, I said, I'm sorry. I said, I'll be right over as soon as we get through dinner. I went over and he was lying there on the Davenport. Well, I said, Charlie, what seems to be the trouble? Oh, he said, I don't know, Brother Harden. He said, I'm just so tired. Of course, he was uh, 70 years old, maybe a little better. I'm just so tired, I can't make it anymore. He said, I wish you'd pray for me. I said, that's what I came for. So I got down and had prayer with uh, Charlie. His name was Charlie Ferguson. And I uh, had prayer with him and uh, uh, got up. I said, anything bothering you, Charlie? I said, uh, there is, maybe I could help you. Well, yes, he said, there is something bothering me, Brother Harden. He said, a few, Sunday, a few Sundays ago, he said, you preached a message over there. He said, just, just, he said, I just didn't like it. Well, I've preached a message that a lot of people didn't like. He said, I just didn't like it. He said, I told Mary, that preacher's had the last dime out of me. Well, you can see I didn't suffer too much for lack of Charlie's dimes. I left him. About Thursday, the telephone rang. It was his wife. Brother Harden, can you come over to the house quick? Charlie's awful bad. I went over to the house again. Oh, I said, Charlie, I'm sorry. You're feeling worse. I said, we'll have prayer. And I said, trust the Lord to touch. He said, just a minute. So I waited. He said, you know, Brother Harden, I've got something to confess. He said, when I didn't like your preaching, we came home and criticized it. And I told my wife, Mary, that's the last dime he'll get out of me. He said, we put our tithe in the drawer. Saved it up. He said, there was about 
And he said, we needed some storm windows for our house. So he said, I borrowed that money out of the drawer, put storm windows on my house. And he said, Brother Harden, if you'll pray for me and God will touch me. He said, I'll put that back fourfold. Oh, I thought, well, that's a pretty good proposition. Surely the Lord will accept that. I accepted it. <laughs> I thought, that's a pretty good bargain. And on I got, and I prayed as, bad, as well as I could, but I just could not get anywhere. I was just saying words. I bid him goodbye and went home. The next day, his wife called again. She said, Brother Harden, Charlie died last night. Oh, I said, Mary, I'm awful sorry. Now, Brother Neff may remember these people. If he does, he'll pardon me. I'm awful sorry. Raised his funeral. I preached his funeral. I had difficulty preaching that man into heaven. There was $280 there that he'd stolen from God. There are some laws in the Bible, friend, that you're going to have to keep if you get to heaven. It demands a rigid separation. I would hasten on here. There's some other things I could say there. Not only does the sanctified life demand a rigid separation, it demands a personal declaration. I remember when I first got into the holiness movement, why it was it was a common thing to hear people get up and get blessed and right out loud say they were so glad God had saved them and sanctified them and shout and praise the Lord because God saved them and sanctified them. But there seems to be a tremendous dearth of declaration these days. Mm. I remember when we came from the old country. <laughs> We came from the old country and father had two or three big boxes that they'd made, the carpenters had made for him. Everything was put in the boxes. And I remember when we came to customs in New York City, they said to my father, Mr. Harden, what do you have to declare? He said, just what you see, gentlemen. He said, you can open the boxes and look at everything that's in there. He said, all I have to declare is just what you see. Praise God. Well, you see, I'm saved and sanctified then I'd like to see what you declare. Amen. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, 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 maybe you think I'm, I'm, I'm off the beam here or whatever you want to call it. But friends, I think there's a tremendous dearth has settled in on the conservative holiness movement today. When you can't hardly get anybody to give a good, sound, solid testimony about being saved and sanctified and act blessed and look blessed and sit down. Oh, we've got some that would like to get up and declare that they're saved and sanctified, but it takes them about an hour and a half to tell it. I've heard preachers say, we just, don't, we just don't throw our meetings open for testimony anymore because there's always those that will, will take advantage. I'm sure there is. Like Brother Schmoor says, there's always some dumbbell that doesn't know when to sit down. 
But I've sung them down before and I couldn't sing them down again. Amen. I don't have bad manners. I think I have good sense. And I might just say, my brother, you've been on your feet long enough. Why don't you sit down? A good rule for testimony meeting is to stand up to be seen. Speak up to be heard. And sit down to be appreciated. Thank you, sir. <laughs> well, this morning and I was in a convention, and, uh, and I better not tell you where it was. You might know the fellow. <laughs> but uh, I was in this convention, and this fellow got up, and he started in. Oh, my. He just, he just went up and down the aisles, and he talked, and he talked, and he talked, and he talked. And uh, it was my turn to preach. And uh, I wasn't a bit excited. I never get excited when people are blessed. I just say, let them go. Praise God. I don't need a TV to entertain me. I get entertained by just watching the saints get blessed. Amen. Well, sir, it come the night service, and this same old, bird, uh, this same old man was in there. And, uh, and uh, it was H.E. It was Smoll's turn to preach. And when he got through preaching, I said, say, I said, uh, I got a little suspicion here. He said, what's the problem? I said, did you know the old man that took so much time this afternoon and pretty near killed the meeting? Yeah. I said, did you know he's trouble? Yeah. I said, brother, you sure got to him tonight. Brother Shmuel got to preaching about people that stayed to be saved and sanctified and had a lot of old bills laying around the country. Wasn't paying their bills, owed this man and owed that man and owed the other man, was dodging this fella and dodging that fella. And he shot that fella so dead that I wondered if he was breathing. I can put it going down and say, friend, can I take your pulse? <laughs> but while we have these crackpots, while we have these fellows that don't have brains enough to sit down, while we have these fellows that don't have consideration enough for the other fellow, I'm willing to take my chance on some of these people. Amen. That some precious little soul like this blonde-headed girl that was prayed through the other night put her cigarettes on the altar. Why deny her the privilege to get her hand up? Why deny her the privilege to get up and say God has saved her and sanctified her just because there's a lot of old dumbbells around that don't have brains enough to sit down and appreciate the other fellow? No, sir. I'll take my chances on that fellow that's trying to kill the meeting and set him down if I need to in order that some precious soul can get a hand up and praise the Lord for having saved and sanctified them. Amen. May the Holy Ghost. It demands a rigid separation. To keep your experience from spoiling, it demands a personal declaration. Oh, that you can stand right up, straight up and down, and declare. Amen. To everybody that knows you. <laughs> Amen. God saves and sanctifies you. Can I give you one more point? And I'll try to quit if you'll pray for me. The sanctified life not only demands a rigid separation. It not only demands a personal declaration. But it demands a Christ-like toleration. Oh, you say, preacher, uh, something, something's wrong here. 
You're talking about a rigid separation and a Christ-like toleration? You heard me right. There are some people I have difficulty with. They claim to be saved and sanctified. They claim they love God. But I have problems with them. But I don't write them off. No. I try to give. If I find somebody that, that, that will not be my friend... I don't write them off. That's a challenge to me to make them my friend. Amen. I'll never forget something Brother Tony Anderson said in that same meeting. I was talking about a while ago. Well, Brother Neff will remember or not. But he was preaching one, one of the morning meetings on the 23rd Psalm. And he came to that place in that psalm where, where it says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Hold it, steady, steady, steady. Not yet, not yet, not yet. Steady. What's that for? Well, you see what the Lord's doing for me. He's not doing it for you. No, he said, that's not what that's there. He said, God is preparing a table before you in the presence of your enemies so you can take your enemies home for dinner. Win them by feeding them. That'll help, don't you think? I believe it would. I like that. I like that. Praise God. I wish I could say it in the same tone of voice and the same earnestness that he said it that night in the Free Methodist Church in Ypsilanti, Michigan. I can't do it. But I never forgot that truth. There are some people I have difficulty accepting. I think they're good people. Oh, there used to be a precious brother. <laughs> and I mean he was a precious brother. <laughs> Every time that fellow would see me, he'd make a beeline for me. And he wanted to kiss me every time. And I used to wish I had a gun with some Listerine. I'd like to give him. He had, he had, he had halitosis so bad. He was a good brother. He loved God. Sure he did. He said, why didn't you tell him he had bad breath? I didn't have the nerve, and I'm pretty nervy. If I saw him before he saw me, I was home safe. I had no problems. I made sure I got away from him. <laughs> I made sure he didn't get to me. Now, this is not the fellow you're thinking about. This is another fellow. Of course, you're not having anything. You love everybody, don't you? Oh, you see, preacher, the Bible says just to love everybody. The Bible doesn't say any such a thing. You can't find the word everybody in the Bible. Shut your mouth, some of you. Go home and check it out. Check it out. You'll not find the word everybody in the Bible. But there's no place for hatred in the sanctified life. No matter how people treat you, people may abuse you, people may misuse you, that, gives, that doesn't give you license to hate them. Amen. Praise God. A Christ-like toleration. S.D. Hearn said they were, he and another brother were driving through Birmingham, Alabama. And if you ever drove through the middle of Birmingham, Alabama before they put the freeway in, it's a nightmare. Oh, my brother. And uh, some fella came out of a side street, bang, right under the front fender. 
of this other preacher's car. He got out. Didn't you see that stop sign right there? What the matter? Are you blind? I had the right of way. You come out of there, you didn't even stop. And oh, he gives the fellow an awful going over. Brother Hearn said, I just sat in the car and waited till he got in. His face was red. <laughs> he had some foam in the corners of his mouth. He was giving this fellow going over. Brother Hearn said, my brother, he said, I appreciate the problem. I appreciate the fact the man done wrong and you've suffered serious damage to your car. But he said, was you kind to that man? Do you think your conduct won him? Do you think your conduct and your language was an inspiration to draw that man to God? He said, the man bowed his head over the steering wheel and sobbed and cried. He said, no, Brother Heron, it wasn't. He got right out of the car and went over to the man. He was still there. He said, sir, I'm sorry. I blew my top. I'm sorry I talked to you like I did. I'm a Christian. I'm a preacher. Will you please forgive me? Oh, sure he had a bent-out fender. Sure he had some inconvenience. Sure it was embarrassing never to happen. My friend, you can be sanctified well enough that you can keep the victory even in that kind of a condition. A rigid separation. A personal declaration. A Christ-like toleration will help you to keep you from spoiling. Shall we stand together? Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Interchurch Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855 USA.